Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The Match Ball. Podcast is brought to you by Levi Solicitors. You can still get 10% off your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Hello, my name's Dan Moylan and I'm joined by Michael Normanson. Hello. And the other one as well, Moscovite, Daniel Chapman. Hello. He's the other one, to be fair. You're not. I like you more than him. It's, this is Moscow's work mainly, isn't it? It's, it's like he's written a book about it. <laughs> Two books, in fact. Well, look at that. The sight of young Angus Kinnear parading round in short trousers around Ellen Road with his holding his dad's hand saying... One day, Daddy, I'll be writing the programme notes here. I will. Slightly catty remarks in the programme. Isn't Angus Kinnear about 18 at this point? Probably. <laughs> Weren't you still holding your dad's hand at 18? Very very uh, limited boy he was. <laughs> he came on an awful lot in his later years. <laughs> it is, and we will get to Luton Town and their visit in the, uh, in the league later. But first, the league cop in the form of Villa, because they popped through through the week. If you are confused, dear listener, Gordon Strachan is also confused in his YEP column at this point. He did write that he was waking up um, in hotels on the morning of games and trying desperately to remember who were playing, what competition we're in, whether it's home or away, what's happening. Because we had the FA Cup last week against Barnsley. We've got the Football League Cup, the Rumblers Cup today. And then next week is the Zenith Data Systems Cup, as well as all the league fixtures. Nobody knows where we're at. We're playing Aston Villa. Yeah, um, you know, we're coming off the back of a couple of defeats and uh, I- I'd like us to get back on form here after that defeat to uh, to Norwich at Carrow Road. It hurt a bit, did that one? Well, we weren't good, but we do have the uh, the respect of Aston Villa's new assistant manager. Um, we mentioned when we played them in the league that they're currently managed by Dr. Joseph of Vengloss. Did I um, accuse him of sounding like a war criminal earlier on in the recordings of this podcast? Sounding like is probably better than accusing him of being... Um, for legal reasons, that's probably safer. He's very much not a war criminal, as far as I'm concerned. Just sounds like the name of one. But he's been doing a. Uh, he's been researching. And oh, he, not uh, again! <laughs> I don't know if he got his copy on uh, microfilm, but he has read a book about Aston Villa greats and saw um, Peter With was mentioned in there and thought he knows the club. And because things aren't necessarily going great for Aston Villa at this point, has brought him in from Huddersfield as his brand new assistant. The Leeds game will be his first game, and um, Peter With. Says something that I think sums up how Leeds are going this season. He says, uh, I've watched them a few times since they've been promoted and I've gasped at the way they all work for each other. Sounds all so familiar. Maybe a, a shot into the future there. Let's run through the teams again. And with this fixture pile up, all this Zenith Data Systems, FA Cup, League Cup, League matches, who knows, reserve matches as well, sending out the same players. John Lukic, Mel Sterling, Glyn Snodin, Chris Fairclough, Chris White back five. Then you've got Strachan, McAllister, Speed and Batty across midfield with Shutty and Chapman up front with Haddock and Pearson on the bench. So absolutely no let up at this stage. There's no rotation at this point, is well, there? There are a couple of changes because Speed was dropped away to Norwich so that Snowden could play uh, left wing and Sir Michael Whitlow was um, left back. But Whitlow 
out of the squad for this one because Peter Haddock is fit again after that. Uh, after somebody drove a tractor over his leg at Sunderland. Not bad. A couple of weeks out after being run over by a tractor. Probably, you'd probably have to take that, wouldn't you? Yeah. Gaffer tape it up. Off you go. Well done, Fish. But uh, he's back on the bench and uh, Gary Speed is back in uh, back in the midfield. And the Villa lineup: Spink, Chris Price, Kent Nielsen, Stuart Gray, uh, Paul McGrath, Paul Birch, Gordon Cowens, David Platt, Tony Cascarino, Dwight York, Nigel Callahan with subs, Ian Ormond-Roy, old sticks from Bradford, and Kevin Gage. So there's some some real bastards in there. Uh, one objection I do want to raise immediately is David Platt, who is wearing what would in future be known as base layers. He's wearing cycling shorts, which were very trendy at this time. But he's wearing black cycling shorts under uh, sky blue shorts. Game's gone soft. Shouldn't be allowed to. He is apparently playing with a chronic groin injury at this point. Pathetic. <laughs> Not good <laughs> yeah. enough. After um, the gloves next. After this game, he's given a week off from training, which is. Um, even more disgraceful. Imagine just not turning up to training for a week. And I mean, once you've already got Paul McGrath, um, who basically has no knees at this time. I was going to say, is he having a nice relaxing week with Paul McGrath? <laughs> just just chilling out, relax, lads. Do whatever you need to do to calm down on an evening. <laughs> it is a big question of who will actually be turning up, but uh, no sign of Tony Daly either. But um, Dwight York, um, obviously bringing, bringing some uh, danger with his partnership with Tony Cascarino up front. And Platt, 16 goals. Yeah, only Ian Rush and Matt Letizia have, have got more. He's even scored more than Lee Chapman, which is, uh, so he's the danger man. And he's a midfielder as well, which is um, an indication of, I mean, David Platt is actually quite a good player. They do uh, hit the bar early, so there is immediate threat there. Yeah, it's not quite the start we had against um, Barnsley, where we, we led through an on goal after, what was it, 80 seconds or something. But we don't wait too long. There's an incredible header from... Gary Speed from a Chris Fairclough flicks the long throw. He flicks it away from goal. It looks pre-planned, but he um, he flicks it away and Speed running into the box heads it from miles out. I still don't know how this hasn't gone in. It seems confusing. The, there's no angle that shows exactly what it hits or what stops it going in. It seems to, it seems like it might take a weird bounce or something off the as it's as it's just about to roll into the net. It looks like everybody's leaving it to each other in the Villa defence, but Nigel Spink, the goalkeeper, has kind of gone to the right place. So at the very last minute, he kind of goes, are you not adding this? I'm going to go, and just puts it wide, out for a corner. 17 minutes though, it's 1-0, it's Chapman, and it's absolutely textbook this. You couldn't do a more archetypal Chapman goal if you tried. Imagine scoring from a corner every single week. You turn up, Leeds get a corner. I wonder if this is why the excitement still exists amongst Leeds fans when we get a corner. There's still a, Imagining. Still a big, Leeds, Leeds, big... Big bit of excitement in there, like, oh, could score this. Completely overlooking the fact we have about 500 corners per goal. But at this time, pretty much every week. And yeah, Chapman nods it in from two yards, three yards, something like that. Chapman post as well. Chapman range. There's a man on the post, but it, maybe should get it. I've no I idea. It's, it's very close in. It's Whoever's number 10, I've uh, neglected to note down who it is, but uh, I think, let's have a look at the lineups. It could be Cowens. Yeah. He's quite short. It was somebody who looks about half the height of Chapman. It's worth noting as well that um, Chris Price, Aston Villa's right back, just while well I remember, short and bald, uh, previewing. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, Alan, Alan Wright later, and then don't forget. They had, another um, good looking man. Alan Hutton was uh, another fullback. It's Aston Villa always at all times have to have a, a short, bald fullback. They had so, Mark Draper at one point as well, who was like an Alan Wright tribute act. Yeah, he was a slightly taller version in midfield, but I'm sure they would have played him at fullback just to make things feel feel right. They need that the balance. Compulsory small Alan. <laughs> Yeah, excellent. Um, McAllister makes it 2-0 on 54 minutes. Sterling crossing it in. Speedo with a, a header in the six-yard box. Does very well to get anything on that, does Speed, and keep this alive, because it looks like it's going way over his head. 
but he manages to keep it in and then Spink shits himself again, doesn't quite know what he's doing, starts coming for it, decides to go back, but it's too late. Callister scores. At this stage, how would you feel about the chance that go up, Michael? Wembley, Wembley, where the famous Legion United. It's, it's a cup quarter final. We're not too far away now. It's true. I'd be, I'd have been, well, I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't bet at that point, could you? But I'd have still been expecting a comeback, probably, from Villa. There's a lot of um, insurance here anyway, because if we don't get there in the Rumblows Cup, we've got the FA Cup. And if we don't get there in that, we've got the ZDS. So it's fair enough. We're going to get to at least one final and win something. Easy. And not a bad first season up if we do that, which we will, definitely. Not too long after that, another 20, uh, 24 minutes and Speedo makes it 3-0. Uh, and it starts with a Strachan cross. Gary Speed is good in the air. That's what we learned from this game. Very, very good. He's very good in general, actually. He just, he, I think he's, dare I say it, he's cemented his place ahead of Mike. Well, it's um, looking more into the, the Norwich game, I realised it was Glyn Snodden who came into midfield. So it was uh, we, we were incorrect about the the makeup of the the classic midfield and, and Whitlow went to left back and presumably didn't put a foot wrong. But it seems like uh, yeah, a, a week on the bench has, has done speed some good. This is his, his first season, not only in the first division, but in the first team. He, he wasn't a first choice in our promotion team um, and didn't really come into the side until the last 10, 12 games was when he, he really broke through for the first time. So everybody's very impressed with David Batty, how he's doing, how he's taken to the division, but he's been a first team regular since 1987 with Billy Bremner in the side and it's just cruised. But I think Wilkinson has, uh, has, has been keeping an eye on speed and, and taking him out of the, the line a couple of times and keeping him fresh because it is a, a hard old slog at this point. Can we call him talismanic at this point? Because he's scored 10 goals for us and we've never lost when he's scored. Almost undroppable. It does help when he, he comes in and puts it in on a 3-0. We're already 2-0 up and he scores a third. But um, it is a, a, a classic header and I, I like um, Gordon Strachan who crossed it in his celebration. He just stands on the far side with his hands in the air just pumping his fists. It's like, I'm not going to run over and celebrate with you. I'm going to stand here and celebrate myself. Hard work running over the other side, isn't it? He's getting on a bit as well. Yep. And a couple of minutes later, it is completely game over. Chappy on the score sheet again. And what what a header this is. This is unbelievable. You don't get many audacious headers, do you? It's the looping audacious header as well. It is. It's yeah. like if this was if this had come up a man's foot from this part of the box, you'd be saying, What an amazing finish it is to just find the one little spot the keeper wasn't able to get to it. It's almost the full well, was it sixteen yards out, you'd say, this header? It's pretty much on the edge of the box, isn't it? And it, it is the literally the only spot he could have headed this, I think, where Spink wouldn't be able to get to it. And it comes from absolutely nothing. I'm, I mean, it's a long ball forward that's half cleared. Then Batty gets this, wins the second ball, and it goes to Chapman. And you think he probably needs to just control it or try and head it to someone else. But nope, straight in the goal. Chapman is the first one to kind of apply some sense to this situation. Chris White has pumped it forward from a free kick, and um, and their defender is Price, the short baldy man, just sort of heads it clear and it hits Batty in the face. But Batty has just about had enough time to kind of go. He kind of does direct it in Chapman's general direction, but yeah, to. To control a header in over Nigel Spink, who is a little bit past his best by this time, but was a great goalkeeper, into the roof of the net from 18 yards is, I can't argue, but that ante is now, um, I'm not sure if he's level or ahead of uppity David Platt for a goal scored this season in his, all competitions. With his fancy Dan cycling shorts, not base layer, cycling shorts. He's going cycling after this. He's riding back down the M6 to Birmingham, to wherever he lives. Um, they pull one back in the last five minutes, which is disappointing. I mean, the game's well and truly won at, at 4-0. 85 minutes, uh, Ian Ormond-Royd, near post-edder. I assume we're just confused by the sight of him. 
He's a very odd looking man. He is um, a very tall. He's like he's sort of Melier tall, isn't he? And a similar girth. Yeah, a bit, a bit Peter Crouchy. Not quite as tall, but in that same way that you look at him and you think, really? Can you? Are you sure you're absolutely you're up for this? Just looks very spindly and, and long. And all that praise for Chapman, he should be uh, cutting this one out. A long throw has just gone over his head. He's sort of run underneath it, misjudged it, and Ormond Roy just heads it in at the, the front post. But don't matter. I mean, we were we were brilliant in this game. I mean, the Strachan had a, a fantastic chance where he, he kind of he makes it for himself, lobs it over a defender, and then he he's through on Spink, and it's that's an absolutely dreadful finish. But everything else was fine. There's a McAllister shot that goes just wide as well, and Wilkinson's pretty uh, pretty convinced this is. Was at our absolute best. Says it was a, a great result and a great performance. It had everything. We fought when we had to. We were patient when we needed it to be. We were persistent. Played well when we made time and room for ourselves, and never carried a passenger. Excellent. Well, the state of the pitch is not great. There's so much sand on it. You could be uh, fooled for thinking that Operation Desert Storm was underway in Beeston, couldn't you? Hey, how's that for a link? No, it was. It was a very sandy, horrible pitch. Actually, something that we've seen many years in the, in the future in the depths of winter. But yeah, Operation Desert Storm is underway to add a little bit of context to this. That Surely that won't have any knock-on problems in years to come. Gordon Strachan references that because we're the other quarterfinal that we'd drawn to play against either Southampton or Scum, and they drew 1-1, Mark Hughes, with a, a late equaliser. Um, so they're replaying next week, and Gordon Strachan is asked if, he, if he's excited about playing his old team again. And he says, I, I thought I'd seen the last of my former club for this season. To be honest, I'm not giving the semi-finals much thought yet. What happened in the golf last night overshadows everything and you have to keep everything in perspective. I mean, my perspective is we were fucking great. And um, Paul McGrath, as we mentioned before, he thinks so as well, thinks uh, Leeds were an awkward bunch to play against and they gave us a good hammering. They were magnificent against us. And storming Norman Hunter cheering us on from the gantry maybe at this point? I'll probably have been there. 
to today's match then. And young Angus Kinnear giddily awaiting the appearance of Lars Elstrup on the pitch at Ellen Road. And um, we, we need to get back to winning ways in the league. Quite apart from all this nice distraction of the Cups, which is nice. Don't get me wrong, I want to go to Wembley. This is the important business, isn't it? There is some classic Wilkinson in the run-up to this, making that point, saying that um, uh, you can't live on cup results. At the end of the day, your opponent's going to judge you on how well you've done in the league. Um, Wednesday's performance was excellent. You are always striving for that sort of display. And when you find it, you have to try to hold onto it. While it's disappointing not to play well, it is even more disappointing not to play well, knowing that you can play well. Snappy. Can't argue with that, can you? Oh, pithy. Imagine it being said in Spanish through a translator. Everybody would absolutely adore him for saying that. You're right. Um, And it's an expensive time of year, this, for for Leeds fans, particularly with the amount of home games that we've got. We've had that cup game against Villa midweek, over 28,000 in attendance for that. And uh, a smaller crowd today for the appearance of Luton, 27,000 at Ellen Road on the 19th of January. And the uh, team lineups will come to in a second. That is a point that um, Bill Fotherby was making uh, the other week. They slashed prices for the... um, the Barnsley replay and also the, the Aston Villa match because they appreciated that um, how expensive it was getting all these unplanned games that people were having to, to find the ticket money for in, uh, in January. And I don't know if um, if young Angus Kinnear, who, if he was up for this game and he was reading reading in the programme, seeing Bill Fotherby talking about slashing ticket prices to make it to be friendly to fans. And he understood because he saved up all his pocket money to attend this game, probably. So, so maybe he uh, maybe that's something we'll be seeing when we're allowed back to Elland Road. The, the influence of Fotherby on Kinnear maybe he'll come out in some <laughs> massive glasses and a, big, a huge leather fedora. But um, if he also wants to cut the uh, ticket prices to nothing, crack on Angus. So those lineups then, John Lukic in goal. We've got Mel Sterling, Glyn Snodden, two Chrises at the back with Strack, Max, Speed, Batty in midfield, Shutty and Chapman with Peter Haddock and Imre Varadi, the two on the bench. For Luton, Alec Chamberlain in goal with Julian James, Richard Harvey, John Dreyer, Steve Williams, Jason Rees, Mark Pembridge, Darren McDonough, Kingsley Black, Sean Farrell and Lars Elstrup completing the lineup with Ian Dowie and some chap called Beaumont on the bench. It's a good-looking bench. Angus Kinnear, 16 at this point, by the way. Just looked it up. Yep, definitely in his short trousers. <laughs> Drinking cans of Skull on the way, maybe? I don't know. What, what was a big drink of the time? Probably Skull, yeah. Alston Pills. They're terrib- flash. Uh, they are in, uh, they're in terrible form coming into this. No wins in, uh, in eight league games and have just lost 4-3 to Southampton. Yeah, that was Rod Wallace absolutely running riot against them but we um we've been talking about how well Leeds start games and you know that that big strong start against Barnsley where we blew them blew them off the pitch in the first five minutes Mel Sterling not quite on message for what? the start of this game what is he trying to do I think I think it's an attempted back pass to John Lukic but he is nearer sort of the right wing on halfway when he decides to punt the ball backwards over his own head towards our goal. The best way I can describe what he does is that thing Michael Brown used to do yes, when it came yeah, to yeah, midfield. Yeah. Just the, the aimless hook overhead kick. Just to no one. Goes more height than distance on it. Um, and it goes straight to Lars Elstrup who very nearly scores. Hits the, hits the inside of the far post, doesn't it? It bounces back out. A wake-up call for Leeds United. A wake-up call there in the first minute. And as ever, it doesn't take us long to... Uh, to get the message. Um, it's beautiful play from Strachan Hernandez-esque, if you want to put it in modern terms. He loves that pass of what kind of edge of the area and you lift it into the box over the defence's head, make them all turn. Samu then... Saiz went through a spell of doing this. But what, if you actually see what he does though as well, he, you can see him compute it where he goes, oh, there's no way through here. There's no pass I can make. There's nothing in the channels. And in that split second, he just calculates, doesn't he? He does the scoop 
and knowing that McAllister is going to be onto it as well. Whereas and Matt McAllister, to be fair, is probably his only option. Whereas Vinnie Jones probably wouldn't have been. This no. is, it shows us the difference that that having someone like McAllister in the team who's got more attacking intent about them, and he he does well. He's onto it, and he's the linesman. I think it is who spots that he's pulled, and it is a good spot because it doesn't look obvious from the first the first view of it. But then from the replay, bit weak. He's grabbed his arm. He's, mm. he's fully grabbed his arm and stopped him running. He'd be given in 2020, but you'd still, even in 2020, you'd go, that's a bit weak. But yeah, he's held him, so there's contact, so I guess it's a penalty. The thing is, in 2020, you'd go down in an absolute heap with McAllister, so it would be more obvious, whereas this time he just stands up and tries to keep going, where in the ref and linesman between them do manage to spot it. There was a whole load of whinging from Luton about it. They spent ages crying before um, Strachan can take his penalty, but the... Um, the penalty has the inevitable result when Strachan's on the ball. I mean, it's Luton's own fault for coming looking a bit like Chelsea in a blue kit. I mean, isn't, isn't it in that Umbro sort of diamondy type? It is a kit. I'm sure Chelsea had that kit, but Chelsea had it in two tones of blue, whereas the, the, the second tone of blue on Luton's is white and it looks it just kind of looks like it's just gone faded in the wash. But they're angry anyway. As soon as Strachan puts this one into the, uh, into the bottom left-hand corner... You see their fullback, who's, you know, they all run back into the area to chase the ball in for the second ball or whatever in case it's missed, who then who throws his arm in disgust ugh, at the linesman. Not having this. Uh, I'm very much in admiration of the referee and the linesman's kits in this, exactly as they should be. Just a plain white v-neck on an all-black shirt with black short shorts. I was going to say that shorts that are too small. You yeah. should make referees wear them now to, <laughs> to rob them of any authority. It is the proper, the classic Umbro um, referees kit with the tiny little Football League badge sewn on. Um, it's a big game for the... The referee will love this. It's uh, Mr. Trussell, isn't it? I can't remember his name. I'm sure it's something like that. And um, yeah, he is uh, to the fore. After giving that penalty, he remains involved. I mean, that's an understatement. How many disallowed goals in this game? 20. Ludicrous. Uh, so let's go through him then. First of all, we got the, the one that comes from the Sterling Cross and Chappie's header and uh, Speedo arrives. It's, it's not a fully committed shot. So could you say... It's definitely a goal that was ruled out, or was it kind of a ah? Oh, it's ended up in the net, kind of. Moment. The whistle goes early, doesn't it? Yeah. On it, but I think well, the two that we have disallowed, I think you can lump together because they're both given for essentially the same thing, which is Lee Chapman being Lee Chapman doing <laughs> his. It's always it's always a toss up with Chapman, isn't it? He either wins the header or he gets a free kick given against him. It seems to be the only two options for for him. So both look a bit weak, maybe, but. Then yeah. again, he is he is a bit army, isn't he, Chapman? He's he's very um he's very elbows and fists in faces when he's challenging for stuff. The second one he has sort of got his um his elbow is kind of resting on the the um what do you call it the <laughs> throat the throats <laughs> the but the, yeah of his uh, of his opponent but just you know not it's not a swing it's just he's just leaning it there and gently moving but I was yeah, just resting my my forehead on the bridge of his nose officer for both these it's McAllister on the the second one puts in a, a deflected shot in the second half and for both of them as soon as um Chapman is Chapman the referee blows. I'm fairly sure at this time I had a, a bit of a fascination with the track here as well due to watching Casualty. And, you know, there's always that scene where somebody... Put a biro in it. Yeah, biro, exactly. And it's one thing I've always taken with me. Uh, you know, you think if somebody starts choking on an aeroplane and someone goes, is there a doctor? Slice him open. There's no doctor. I'm going in with a biro. Didn't it happen on Neighbours as well? Yeah. They did it on the kitchen table to uh, Lucy Robinson or whoever it was. <laughs> this TV in the late 80s and early 90s, everybody there. So, yeah, two, two disallowed goals for, for Leeds United back on message. In between them, they have one disallowed as well in the first half this would be a, a VAR job this, these days wouldn't it it's one of these where is, there's a it's per, terrible defending by us it must be said it's a, it's more or less a defensive clearance from them and Fairclough is way out of position which leaves them 2 on 1 in the first touch knocks it onto Pembridge who is a judge to be offside which is yeah, you 
Could be. Let's just trust the linesman, eh? That's what I say. Good well, decision. No need to draw any lines on the Allen Road pitch here. No, let's just go with it. I definitely uh, agree it, with that. To my eyes, it looks fairly level, but, you know, it's Leeds in it, so it's a good decision. We are having a bit of a struggle in this game. We, we're never in control, really, against uh, Luton, so it's a relief that just before the hour, Fairclough manages to uh, to make it 2-0 with a absolute incredible creativity from uh, Lee Chapman on this one. I mean, it's it's messy esque, isn't it? What goes on here? I mean, no, no joke, all joking apart. We watched the footage of this uh, before we started recording this, just a re- just a refresher of what the goals were like again. Chappie, we laugh at him in the in the sense that he's kind of there's, there's physical comedy to the style of play that he indulges in. But this is brilliant, even though this is brilliant, it still looks funny to my eyes because it's Chapman. <laughs> he is he, he is a giraffe, isn't yeah, he? He's, he's a baby he's, giraffe. Yeah. It's impossible for him to do anything that looks elegant. But this is a nice touch. I mean, we should. Give some credit to the the beautiful build-up before then as well, which is David Batty throwing a long ball into the box, as in a literal a throw-in, not throwing it with his foot. Um, <laughs> and Chamberlain comes and makes a horrible mess of it. I think it's him who gets the final touch, which knocks it to Chapman, isn't mm. it? I think he kind of gets a, gets a finger. He gets a John Lukic scuff it backwards, Glasgow Rangers touch on it, and it goes to Chapman, who then, as you say, turns into Viduka, Messi, Chest. Ronaldo, whoever whoever yeah. you want to. It is a little bit like watching a, a horse with a balloon, but he, it's <laughs> but the component parts are chest control as the ball comes to him late, and then the presence of mind. Horses, of course, famed for their chest control of balloons, and then the presence of mind to uh, back heel it towards goal. He's he's sort of on the edge of the. Uh, he's a little bit like a couple of yards outside the six yard box. Just back heels it to see what happens in there. Yeah, he's sort of level with the near post, isn't he? So he's he's putting it into the corridor of uncertainty as it's known. And it would have gone in if yeah. there wasn't. Um, players there but um, Fairclough is is the key player there who it's a good finish actually he sees it and puts it right where the defenders are not 2-0 to lead there's a couple of them stood there as well so he still had a job to do it wasn't a it wasn't a, a mere formality he had to make sure that one um, went into the net but yeah like you say we never quite had this one in our in our grip did we because they pull one back and it's uh, little uh, tiny Angus Kinnear's favourite player Lars Elstrup it's a strange goal this because no one seems to celebrate it or be annoyed that it's gone in, or make any noise from the crowd. It just everyone's just running back to the halfway line. You think, oh, is that is that oh, gone in? Then has it? It's yeah. one of those. Where it well, looks like, there's, there's no really, a, and there's not like a big cheer from the away fans that gives it away or anything, is there? No. Kingsley Black goes down the left hand side. He goes past White and then crosses it to the far post, and it's um, Elstrup with a shot. And Lukic sort of gets his body behind it, but then takes it into the net with him. And it's not at no point does the net bulge and mm. it's a bit sort of Melier at, at Spurs with that header isn't it like at the near yeah. post it sort of scrambles inside and it's clearly in I mean there's no question of that I think the thing is that the where the away fans are um, in fact where all the fans are nobody can see where the ball goes because Lukic kind of takes it into his chest goes over the line with it and keeps it so nobody can see it. and then the Luton player goes in and, and get it and because they're not celebrating the Leeds fans think well the Luton fans celebrate because they think it's gone in and then nobody on the pitch is celebrating. So the Leeds fans, you hear them all go, ah, as if, <laughs> it's, as if it's gone wide. You know, when when the ball hits the side netting and everybody thinks it's gone in. So the thing that's happened. And then the next thing is the referee is pointing at the spot and all the players are going back to the kickoff. And then the Luton fans go, ah. <laughs> so it, it works out um, quite beautifully in the end. But yeah, it's um, it's a bit annoying that it's back to 2-1. We did have a chance to make it three though. Uh, Strack with another lob into the area up to Maka who, uh, who volleys it wide. Would have been great if this one had gone in. Yeah, it's a shame this would have added a nice bit of gloss to it, wouldn't it? But a good connection from McAllister, but just drags it a little bit across goal, doesn't it? Yeah, Wilkinson wasn't uh, too pleased afterwards. He, he's kind of 
not seeing the performance he wanted. It was not our best by a mile. We had too many people off colour or so it seemed, but it was a great result. You know, to, we got the win and, uh, and that will do. And he's kind of uh, looking ahead. He, he does touch on um, the, the congestion with all the cups and whether we're going to be up for playing Derby and the, the Zenith data systems. And he says, uh, motivation will be no problem. My players know that the more trophies we can win, the better. The desire for and taste of success are both important elements in developing attitudes which will benefit the club in a long-term sense. So I think, yeah, he's trying to teach us to win is what he's saying. And so win every game, win every cup. We're going for a quadruple. And it was a really important win in the wider context of the other results that went on. If you look at the other scores today, it was important that we got those three points because others around us were dropping points. So I'm looking at Man United who are just beneath us. They're in fifth. Um, they drew one all away to QPR. We, of course, beat Luton. Palace, who are directly above us, lost 3-1 at home to Norwich. You've got Liverpool drawing at home to Wimbledon. And then Arsenal, who are top, beat Everton 1-0 at Highbury. Still unbeaten after 23 games, which is incredible. So it's bunched up just that little bit because the top two were starting to sort of pull away from us a little bit. But you've got Arsenal top on 53, Liverpool on 50. Uh, Palace on 45, us on 42 and Man United on 40, then down to Spurs in sixth, who are on 37. So we're nicely getting into that top four or five now. And then just below them was uh, Man City, who beat Sheffield United 2-0 over the weekend. And uh, bookings, we mentioned the referee's involvement with the um, the disallowed goals. He also booked David Batty, which means he's, uh, he's over his 21 disciplinary points, misses two games, Spurs away. And depending on the schedule, he might miss the first leg of the League Cup semi-final against Scum or, or Southampton and uh, Batty, he does say, to be fair, the ref had just given me a warning um, and then he just absolutely rocked through Julian James anyway. <laughs> just yeah. didn't care. <laughs> I'm disappointed, but it's an occupational hazard. And he says, um, he's quite relaxed about it. He says, you know, we've got enough strength in depth to get by without my contribution. So it's, just play somebody else, boss. It's fine. But um, Vinnie Jones managed to outdo him, his old mate in midfield. He got um, uh, playing for Sheffield United um, against Man City. Fouled Peter Reid after five seconds. Thought to be the fastest booking of all time. Um, got sent off later on as well. David Ellery was the referee there. And just, yeah, it's it's classic. Um, Vinny, you mentioned before the difference that Gary McCullough has made. And it is kind of, it's nice to think of uh, those two twice in this game when Strachan is kind of chipping the ball for a McAllister run and he, he's through the score. Meanwhile, Vinny is over at Bramall Lane just... Um, starting every match by just colliding straight through Peter Reid's knees. We are back to Ellen Road in three days' time then for the ZDS round three tie against Derby County, so no rest for the wicked. And then we move on to Arsenal uh, in another week's time for the FA Cup tie, uh, where I'm sure it'll be a simple affair for that one and won't get drawn out in the slightest. Very neat and tidy. Thanks for listening to this one. We'll catch up with you then. The Match Ball. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 